0: hey there friends brothers and sisters welcome to today's podcast for all those who love his appearing i want to tackle a subject that there's much discussion about in the church these days a phrase you hear a lot or at least i do is lamenting all the divisiveness in the church right now and a phrase i hear specifically is why does politics have to be in the church let's not talk about anything political and there's talk about the leaven of herod and so i i wanted to tackle this topic on a very brief but practical level with what's really dividing the church and are politics avoidable and so i was just thinking through some questions because i've heard this so often from so many people and people whom i really deeply respect and i thought what What can be done about this? Can we avoid talking about things that are dividing the church? So let's jump into it. And I have a quote. This is attributed to Martin Luther. There is some dispute that someone else said it. I have researched and researched and cannot find substantial evidence that this was not Martin Luther who said it. So here's the quote. He said, If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the word of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing him. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved, and to be steady on all the battlefront besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. So, do you agree do we profess the truth even though it might offend a brother? Or do we only speak certain truths? Because if we dilute truth to the least common denominator, we can still label it unity. Is divisiveness in itself a sin? You know, Jesus said he came not to bring peace on earth, but a sword in Matthew ten thirty four, And as such, he told us that even family relationships would be divided along the lines of belief. Remember, in the following verse, he said that That uh, sons and fathers and and daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws, they'd be divided and a man's enemies would be the, the members of his own household. We know, however, that Jesus did not wish his church to be divided. In his high priestly prayer was this deep plea for unity in John 17, verses 21 through 23. But is there a deeper issue undermining unity in the church right now? how can the church be critically divided if believers hold the bible to be god's inerrant word and if the church is universally drinking from the same spirit of truth as second corinthians eleven four 4 tells us could it be that the church's most visceral division has more to do with it drinking from a stream polluted by the pervasive ideals of secularism than from speaking out against policy in Ezekiel 34, 18 and 19, and Jeremiah 23, 11, we see pictures, remember, of shepherds. These would be the, the pastor figures, the leaders of God's people, talking about polluting the stream. God rebukes them for muddying the streams for the flock by not speaking the truth. And of course, when you have a, a muddy stream, you have a cloudy stream. Are there issues dividing the church today That are neutral in other words they're not clearly delineated as good or evil first by the bible and secondly by civic law and thus we may abandon them for the sake of unity what obligations do we have not to speak of moral issues which foremost must be biblical issues for in our current age everything moral has now been made political by the culture what about scientific issues that have been made political if the most basic biology such as gender has been fashioned into a political weapon and to speak up for what a couple decades ago was once undisputed fact now is to be called hate are we obliged to stay silent to fit the current definition of love do we have an obligation to speak up when language has been redefined so as to target our children for destruction first high schools then middle schools and now elementary schools brazenly groom minors through curriculum and books. Little children are being invited to libraries where drag queens preside over story time. Prepubescent children are administered body mutating, mind altering, life shortening, hormonal drugs, and are being systematically mutilated by doctors. By the way, I have links to in my blog article to this, to further reading that you can check out for yourself. This is in plain sight, they're not hiding it. So has ever such a horror as that been perpetrated in civilized society, mutilating our own children, experimenting on our own children? Are we obligated to keep our mouths shut rather than potentially offend a brother? Can a regenerated believer even endorse such a thing? or the politician who stands in favor of it? What does it say about the church that because of the extremity of the the agenda against children, a foul-mouthed comedian will finally speak out in shock, but a pastor won't? And I'm referring again to someone who you can check out the link and watch the short for yourself. What are we to do in light of the last couple years' high exposure of medical science and its corruption in favor of mammon and politics? Am I my brother's keeper? What obligation do I have to share from direct exposure or experience that which might latently be harmful? Are we obliged to keep potentially destructive knowledge to ourselves because the overriding narrative demands it? Is it more loving to let a brother take a chance with his life rather than be divisive? shall i wait for time lawsuits and malpractice to reach such a scale that they finally speak that which i was afraid to what then to do about the dilemma of the church that is told not to speak politics when the politics have been forced upon the church and by that i am referring to all the individuals and organizations such as the little sisters of mercy who have been forced against their will to perform things that go against their conscience, whether it's uh, birth control, whether it's baking a cake for someone who wants to be in union with a homosexual partner, all these things, the state saying you don't have the right to do that because it's discrimination. Of course, if you're Walmart and you don't want to sell semi-automatic weapons, that's that's your right to do that. Or if UPS, you're not going to deliver certain packages to certain people because it goes against your moral code that's your right to do it. But the small individual baker with a conscience that says, I I can't endorse this, well, the whole state's going to come against you then. What about my brother's obligation not to offend when he repeats all the talking points of a secular world that has never been so unabashedly anti-Christ across the spectrum of commerce, science, education, news media, and policy. Shall I acquiesce the propaganda as fact, so as to be in agreement with my brother for the sake of unity? Or perhaps it is that I am obligated, in fact, to speak the truth, but am not to support those leaders that uphold the moral convictions the Bible delineates are necessary for a righteous, non-rogue government, as outlined in Romans 13, 1 through 3. In other words, am I silent, both on public platforms and in private, for such leaders in the name of unity, thereby ensuring that these supporting godly agendas are left to the mercy of their critics detractors and mob rule what will history speak if the answer to these questions is that unity trumps conscience then we must surmise that the christians in previous generations were in error and thereby sin to seek the end of slavery to illegally hide the jews from their national socialist persecutors and to speak out against segregation one can conclude from studying history that all these practices during their time were the zenith of political division in the body of Christ. Indeed, there may be some Christians who purport to know nothing except Christ and him crucified, according to 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, as the foundation for the church's obligation to abstain from all of history's societal injustices, past and present. But what to do when such Christians, wielding this verse, at their opponents neglect even to preach the gospel for if we are honest it is often those bold enough to speak the unpopular truth in the arena of policy who are the ones courageous enough also to preach the cross of christ and as first peter 2 8 calls it a rock of offense in light of these points we wrestle with as a bible believing truth speaking church in a world where the racially motivated genocide of babies dwarfs in sheer numbers the millions of deaths of the Third Reich Romans 14 through 23 leaves us with the knowledge that whatever we cannot do in conscience leads to condemnation somehow we in the church must allow our fellow believers the grace and the space to wrestle through the paradox of the times we are in rather than assigning names and shame to those speaking their convictions I know what my conscience requires of me you fellow believer must decide what it means for you. Is your life marked by fear or by faith? When we catch a glimpse in our spirits of the mightiness of the God that we serve, and when we take His words to heart, doors suddenly open where there seemed only to be walls. The prospect of bad news no longer intimidates us. We eagerly anticipate the days ahead and the mundane in life becomes an adventure. Leaving the Shallows, Igniting the Faith that Overcomes the World are 40 meditations on teaching and testimony that will encourage your heart and boost your faith to see His kingdom come in your own life like never before. Check out Leaving the Shallows, Igniting the Faith that Overcomes the World on Amazon or go to emilytomco.com.